0: Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 6 in our Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn there. We're working through a series I've titled, Jesus Worldview, where we look at Jesus' view on the world. I want to know what he has to say obviously still in this day and it's not going to stop so many opinions so many ideas so many worldviews going around in this day and age and this is something that I always ask that would ask when someone says this is the way that it is I say why should I believe you why what what gives you the right to proclaim truth and why should we believe that what you are saying is true what is the premise What is the foundation of your truth? Well, so-and-so told me. That's cool. But why does that make it true for all people at all times? There's a new phrase going around. Uh, That's Really, it's not new. Um, And it's, uh, hey, man, this is true for me. And that's true for you. And uh, this is an idea, and what it really is doing is removing absolute truth from the face of the earth. And uh, where it gets dicey is when we start saying that there are not absolute truths on the planet. There are no absolutes. Hey, what you believe is good, what I believe is good, everything's good, everything's true. And the only problem is, is when those truths contradict one another, then what are we to do? Duke it out and fight it out to figure out whose truth is right? Do we vote as a society on what is true? Yeah, that makes sense. Not exactly. Because when the nation as a whole votes that a certain group of people are wrong, we might just wipe them off the planet. Hitler, Germany. They were following the law. They were following the law. This was government law. To be Jewish was against the law. And to have that ethnicity, to have those views, to have those mindsets was against the law and thus we will cut you off from society. So how did they prosecute the SS soldiers on that day in the Nuremberg trials? Do you remember? They said, hey, we were following the law. We were doing what we were supposed to. And the lawyers and the judge in that court says, we adhere to a higher law than the laws of the earth. We adhere to the law of God. You have broken the law of God, thus you are guilty for what you have done. We do not adhere to the laws of society, we adhere to the law of God, thus you are guilty and you will have to stand before him and before us. What is the premise of your truth and your foundation? We adhere to the law of God above the laws of society. Now, it doesn't mean we don't follow the laws of society. We follow the laws of society all the way until they start breaking the laws of God. They break the laws of God. We will no longer follow the ways of man. We will follow the ways of God. This is crucial in our worldview. Because I'm telling you, just look at history. Just study history for a little while, and you will see the things that tribes, that cities, that groups of people, that cultures have instituted as law, which contradict the word of God. And they said, this is the right thing to do. We are in a major season of that, of course, in our nation, but it's not new. If it's new, it's probably not true, and if it's true, it's probably not new. These things are not new. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said, the wisest man to ever walk the earth. Nothing new. It's all the same thing over and over. We are looking at Jesus' worldview because I want to know what God says. When people try to convince me about this or that, or this or that, I always say, what does God say about that? What's his perspective? I want to know what he has to say first. And then we'll talk about whether or not we should be siding with this or that. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is sermon number 26 in the book of Matthew. The title of the sermon is, If God isn't worried, why are you? If God isn't worried, why are you? Why are we worried? Heard a story. Maybe you heard this one too. Fresh out of business school, this young guy answered a want ad for an accountant position. Now, he was being interviewed by a very nervous man who ran a small business that he had started himself. And the man said, I I need somebody with an accounting degree, but mainly I'm looking for someone to do all my worrying for me. Excuse me, the accountant said said, I worry about a lot of things but I don't want to have to worry about money. Your job will be to take all the money worries off my back. He says, I see. And how much does the job pay? He says, I will start you at $80,000 a year. $80,000, the accountant explained, how, how can such a small business afford a sum like that? That's a lot of money. The owner says, I don't know, but that will be for you to worry about. <laughs> Worry, stress, and anxiety. What worry does to your health? An article by uh, Roslyn Ryan writes, uh, Worry can have a negative effect on your health, making you tired, stressed, speed up the aging process, and sometimes be more prone to depression. What worrying does to your body, this is what happens. When you worry, your body responds to your anxiety the same way it would react to physical danger. To help you cope with the physical demands you are about to ask your body to perform, your brain releases stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol into the bloodstream. They trigger a range of physical reactions that will equip your body for action. Your heart rate increases, your breathing becomes heavier, you may sweat more, you may also become pale as the blood moves away from the skin towards the muscles to help them prepare for the fight or flight situation your worry has created. The fight or flight response in your body's instinctive reaction is to danger. And unconsciously your body prepares itself to either run away from danger or becomes very alert in order to fight predators. But many, but many of the things we worry about today cannot be dealt with by fighting or running away. Credit card bills, bad relationships, stress or at work. This cannot be dealt with physically, so our bodies remain in a state of, in, of anxiety, ready for action. And this means the stress hormones are still circulating in the bloodstream. Teresa Francis uh, Chung says over a prolonged period of time, This raises levels of these chemicals, and it can start to have a toxic effect on the glands, the nervous systems, and the heart, eventually leading to heart attacks, increased risk of stroke and stomach ulcers. Because your body is tense, tense, ready to respond to threat, you are feeling this, and the muscle tension can turn into aches and pains causing headaches, back pain, weak legs, and trembling just from worrying. Stress. may also become more prone to infections. It's widely acceptable that stress and anxiety can lower your immune system. Interesting. Making you more susceptible to picking up colds or more serious illnesses. Stress and worry can actually tear down the immune system and cause us to be more susceptible to sickness. I hope this article didn't just stress you out. Today, Jesus approaches one of the greatest human problems. He does not shy away from these things. He reminds us of the truths we need to hear. He reasons with us. I'm so thankful he reasons with us. Some of you may be feeling a bit overwhelmed and stressed and worried uh, today. I don't know about what. Um, I am not immune either from stress or worry or anxiety. It plagues us all, comes upon us all. And society seems to keep pushing us to want to do more and to think through more and to be overwhelmed by more, which causes more stress and anxiety, we need to look at what Jesus has to say. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Let's take a look at the text, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Take a look at verse 25. Are you there? We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we're reading. Not my, my opinion, not my truth. I don't want my truth. <laughs> my truth will not last forever. My truth cannot withstand. Katie and I were just talking uh, this week just about how even... Uh, should I say I'll say it. It's interesting to look at how even the, the theories... And the things that we come up with decade after decade change from the medical world to theories of science, facts that we established 20-30 years ago, all of a sudden we discover that it's not true anymore. It's one big giant experiment. We're trying to find the truth. That's why I hold to things like this. Why the Bible does not claim to answer every single Question on the planet, like a glossary. It speaks to the most essential things in life and the truth that we need for life and godliness. Amen? So we look at his word. I want to hear what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus said, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this unbelievable depths of wisdom. You speak to the core of our being. But this is what we do. We worry about tomorrow nonstop. We are worried about what we're going to eat and drink and wear and where we're going to live. We are worried about these things. And I pray that you would settle these things in our hearts. You'd give us long-term perspective. Give us your eyes. Give us your ears and your heart on these matters we pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You can be seated. Remember, Jesus has just talked about not storing up treasure on earth, but storing it in the bank of heaven. We are to be focusing on God over money in this life. Remember? Money is not our God, the Lord is our God. But we need money to live, no doubt. We just need to understand it in right perspective. All that we have belongs to the Lord. Everyone Jesus now goes from commanding us not to store up treasure to store up treasure on in heaven and then commanding us not to worry about the things on this earth. We are not to be worrying about life if God is our God. And that's where I get the title of this message is, If God Isn't Worried, Why Are You? If God is our God and he's not worried, why would I be wor- worried? Why would I be weary? Remember the Patriot, Mel Gibson? Great film. The opening scene, what happens is there are some soldiers, the enemy is coming in to try to take over the town, do some damage. He tells his boys to grab their guns and to go up into the field and to hide in the trees. And he says this one phrase to them, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. He says, son, you line it up, aim small, miss small. And when he looks his boys in the face, he gives them confidence. How? When he looks his boys in the face, he says, aim small, miss small. What are you saying to them? You know. And look at dad's eyes. I'm not worried. You got this. I'm not nervous. You got this. I'm not scared. We're ready. We are prepared. We will protect our family. We can do this. And because of the confidence of their father, the boys are at ease, and they follow the instruction of their father. I love this picture Because we are going into all kinds of battles emotional ones, spiritual ones, cultural ones. We feel nervous and we feel worried and we don't know what to do. What we need to do is look into the eyes of our Father and see if He's worried, see if He's fearful, see if He's anxious and pacing in heaven. God is sitting back on His lazy boy recliner, He's got His legs kicked up on His throne says, it is all in my hands. I got the whole world in my hands. It's all under control. God is not freaking out in heaven when you are on earth. He, he oh no, oh no, is Josh OK? Oh no, Josh, are you OK down there? I don't know if I can do anything to save you. Ah, I, OK, you know what, get away from there. He's not. Remember Moses? Moses was literally doing that. The people were screaming. We're all going to die. We should have stayed in Egypt. The Egyptians are coming. The Egyptians are coming. They're crying. They're they're running as fast as they can, trying to get away. Moses says, you idiots. Moses, Lord, what are we going to do? Oh, yes, I remember. Lift the staff. Look to me, and I'm going to take care of it all. God's just standing in there in heaven and saying, Moses, just do what I tell you. Remember, I told you what to do. Lift the staff. Yeah, but Lord, the people are freaking out. They don't know what to do. They're, they're all over the place. They're, they're in madness right now. Look at them. They're in chaos. Just do what I told you to do. Lift the staff. He says, stand back. And he lifts up that staff. And that Red Sea starts to part. Regardless of the way those people are feeling or acting, God was already planning to save. He was moving before them. He was in front of them. Remember, they got on the other side of the Red Sea, and then the Red Sea smashed on the Egyptians. and He saved them from their enemies. And then what do the people start doing? They start celebrating and praising God. But what if they would have done this on the front side of the Red Sea when the Egyptians are coming? They would have stood up and said, Forget it. Let's go, Ben. Start the worship music. Let's go. We're going to start praising and worshiping God. Let's get this thing going. And they just start, the Egyptians are coming and they all got their hands raised and they're just blessing the Lord and praising God and saying, We can't wait to see the Lord crush this whole thing. Are you ready? Are you seriously going to come up against the Lord our God? Do you know who He is? Do you know what He's done? you know how faithful he is? He is not worried about you in heaven, Egyptians. And he stands back, and they bless the Lord, and the Red Sea starts to open in part, and they dance all the way through the Red Sea to the other side, and get on the other side and look back, and say, of course the Lord showed up. He's always been faithful. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. The Father isn't worried. Why are we worried? break down the text here. Verse 25, therefore, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Just stop it. What you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you're going to put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. Remember, Jesus is springboarding off the last verse. He uses the word, therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you just want to stop for a moment as a Bible student and just read the prior two verses again to get context of what he is saying. The prior context, no one can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, do not worry about your life. It almost seems this is another form of serving money and worldly things instead of God is to worry We are so worried about life and stuff that we are not focused on the Lord. Please listen. The more you are focused on God, the less you will worry. Worry is the sin of focusing on your ability and not God's ability. Again, worry is the sin of focusing on your ability and not God's ability. That's right, Israelites, you better believe it. You better be worried about the Egyptians if you have to focus on your own ability because you don't have any armor, you don't have any swords, you don't have anything for battle. Moses has got a stick. I think the text actually says somewhere they're grabbing their pots and pans, they're grabbing the things that they have, trying to figure out what they're going to do. You focus on your own ability. Yeah, you better start kicking and screaming and crying because you don't know what to do. But if you focus on God's ability, we can be in perfect peace. We worry because we don't think everything is going to work out. We don't trust that God really has a better plan. That is the sin of the church. That is the sin in my life. That is the sin in our lives. We don't believe that God is going to work this out. We're overwhelmed and we're nervous. And Jesus literally says to us, do not do this. Because it will eat you away from the inside. It's a silent killer, huh? It's amazing. You can can watch somebody. They go through a very difficult season in life and you can almost see them like aging on the outside. Their body is like breaking down from the internal stress and turmoil. I understand this. I'll never forget a time when I was, I can't remember how old I was exactly, early 20s. And I didn't even know, like when people say I'm stressing, I didn't understand what the word meant. I'm being honest with you. I didn't understand it. And I think because as a young guy, I just always just would bulldoze and plow through anything. And so I didn't know what being overwhelmed felt like, or I didn't know maybe all will the Lot of the things I'd gone through when I was young were extremely overwhelming, so everything else felt like a piece of cake. So I didn't understand when people would say that. But then one time, no joke, I had all of these sores break out on the inside of my mouth. I mean, like explode, like canker sores, like you would not believe. Like a hundred of them broke out in my mouth. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I don't have any diseases. I promise. Yeah, I've been doing that stuff. Like, what's going on? And I went to the doctor. He says, oh. This, is, uh, this happens a lot to young people. You're stressed out. I'm like, what? Yeah, you're stressed out and vitamin deficient. You should sleep a little, get some rest, stop running so on, on such a high level, and then uh, take, your, take, he basically gave me a, a multivitamin. I took the multivitamin. There was no medicine, no medication, no nothing. It was gone within a week. I didn't know that stress could affect my mind, my emotion, my body, and start to tear me down. Because it's such an abstract thing, it's hard to grab onto. This word worry is merim neo. it means to be troubled with cares, to be troubled. Do not be anxious, do not be troubled about your life, what you will eat, drink, or put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Don't worry about life, Jesus says, and your needs being provided for as a child of God. Jesus is saying you don't have to worry about it. If you, if you will have food to eat or something to drink, you don't have to think about these things. It's already taken care of, close to where it's going to be taken care of. Point number one, if you're taking notes, God gave you life and he will sustain it. Point number one, God gave you life and he will sustain it. If God is the giver of life, he is able to sustain it. And if he says he will sustain it, guess what? He will sustain it, no question. So let's stop worrying about that. So the question gone on this one is to forget who he is and to forget that he is the one who gave you life and that you have what you have thus far because of him and will he not continue to do so, Philippians 4:19. My God shall supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul says, "My God will supply every need according to His riches." I'm thankful that it's not according to my riches. <laughs> You're like, let me see your bank account. That's not enough riches to take care of the church. I know. But we're not looking at mine we're looking at god's bank account according to his riches and glory he's going to take care of us anytime he takes care of one of your needs don't you know that his account doesn't go down and then jesus says this i love the reasoning because it really gets us to think look at the birds of the air When's the last time you stopped and looked at the birds of the air? We don't have time to do that. We got to drive in traffic here in L.A. No, no, you really should. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. You should stop and just stare at the bird. Why don't you do that? The psalmist and uh, Solomon in Proverbs says to look at the ant all the time. Look at the ant. I dare you just to stop and look at creation. Praise God for my little Eden. She has forced me to stop and look at creation way more than I have in a long time. And it's fun. She wants to catch roly polies and snakes. <laughs> snakes are worms. She says, let's get snakes. I say, okay, I'm going to go find you some snakes. I just look at these creatures and, again, through the eyes of all of these years in the Word of God and, and the eyes of of my age now, like looking at these creatures and just watching their complexity and watching how somehow they keep thriving and keep moving on. And the birds are one of my favorite. We planted these, uh, these little blue flowers in the backyard. And they kind of have these cones on them. And there's like a 100 of them on each plant. Magically, these hummingbirds start showing up. It's beautiful to watch them. I call them the miracle bird. They have like flap their wings like 100 times in one second. It's really incredible what they're able to do. The only word, bird that can actually fly backwards. They can do all kinds of incredible things, but it's a miracle bird when you look at it. And these, this creation, you look at them, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Does God care about you more than the birds? Yeah. Do the birds have food to eat today? They do. Then guess what you're going to have today? You're going to be taken care of. Point number two, if you're taking notes, if God takes care of the birds, he will take care of you. It's real simple. Anytime you're worried next time, I dare you to go stare at the birds. What about the dodo bird? Go stare at it. God cares more about you than he does about any creature on the earth. Did you know that? And he takes care of them. Job 38, 41, who provides for the raven, its prey? When its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food, who provides for them? God does. We can also learn from the bird that the bird is not lazy. It doesn't just sit around all day for God to bring them food. No, it doesn't. That hummingbird is going from flower to flower. It doesn't have a barn to store up grain. It just goes from flower to flower and looks for the food, and God provides for that hummingbird every single day. God provides for the animals of the earth They belong to him after all. He is the creator. Here we are trying to fix all the problems of the earth. And I think that we should. I love the ocean. I love keeping it clean and trying to help creation thrive. At the end of the day, the Lord can just snap his fingers and boom, there's a population of whatever he wants. You see, the non-believer doesn't think in these terms at all. We should worry if, if we are the creators and if all of it lays in our hands we have a lot to do. But if God is the creator and he has everything under control and it's going just as planned, and he can do whatever he wants whenever he wants, after all, he did say, let there be light, and boom, the universe came to, into existence. He can say, let there be whatever he wants, and it will show up, especially in your life, whenever he wants. Let there be. And that's it. It's done. And here we are worrying day and night about it. God will take care of his kids. There is no question. He loves his kids. He's going to take care of you. Look at verse 27. Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? Mmm. Thank you, Jesus, again for... Causing me to think. Verse 3, I'm sorry, point number 3, if you're taking notes, what is the point of worrying? Jesus reasons with us and says, basically, what is the point? Can you explain it to me? Can it help your life? Does it actually add a single hour to your life? You know what? If I worry for an hour today, I'm actually going to get 10 more hours in life. No. It actually does the opposite. It takes away, huh? It actually takes away from your life. It takes away from life on two levels. It literally eats away at time as we sit and worry and stress. And second, it's not good for our health. Stress is not good for your body. I uh, used to love to, and I don't have one right now, but uh, me and my brothers, we'd build out these fish tanks. And um, we would... We would buy all kinds of exotic fish, and we'd grow them, and then we'd sell them. And um, these fish, if you didn't know, have the ability to actually get stressed out. And if they are in a wrong environment, they will get stressed out, and they will actually die. If the water is not right, and if you put a predator in there, you put something else in there, or if the temperature is not right, they will get fresh, frustrated and stressed out. And here's this little you know, fish brain you know, trying to figure out what's going on. They get overpowered and then they literally just die because of stress. I wonder how much this is affecting our society. We're stressed, we're worried, we're anxious, we're overwhelmed, and then we get sick. And we can't exactly diagnose as to why they got sick or why one person does and why one person doesn't, but to disconnect the mind from the emotion, from the body, from the spirit, when it is all interconnected is ridiculous to me. They're all connected. How can a fish die from stress? It's because it is working overtime on the inside because the brain is not at ease. And the same happens with us. When we are stressed, we want to do unhealthy things to make us feel good. So we turn to substance turn to food, we turn to all kinds of things. And before you know it, we're breaking down internally. Sometimes people come to me and say, man, I'm feeling absolutely overwhelmed, or I'm stressed, or I'm anxious, or I'm depressed. Some of the first things I will ask them is, are you getting a full night of sleep? Do you do anything active? I'm talking about physical things before we even start to talk about spiritual things and also emotional things. They're all connected. We have to be careful. Because Jesus says there really is no point in worrying. It only hurts you. Don't waste time worrying. Instead, use that time to pray or read the word or put on some worship music. As soon as you feel yourself starting to be overwhelmed and overtaken, start to do something godly. Verse 28: Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Point number four, worried about clothes when your father is the greatest designer. Worried about clothes when your father is the greatest designer. Do you remember the first time that he made clothes? Yes. Thank you, Serge. It was right after a very dark, terrible moment. You know what happened? Adam and Eve sinned against God, and they got kicked and banned out of the garden. And we know that all of a sudden, they had to have clothes put on, but there was a sacrifice made for them by God, and that sacrifice was the skins of animals, and they were able to take those skins and use them for clothes, God blessed them with grace. He said, yes, you have sinned against me. Yes, you have plunged the entire human race into sin and have been banned from the Garden of Eden. Now I will show you my love and my grace once again. Here are designer clothes by El God. He made them. He took care of them. He clothed them. He clothed them. He's going to clothe you. Now in this contest, speaking towards those who are worried they won't have any clothes to wear. That's really the person it's speaking about. No shoes or socks, no shirt or jacket in the cold. But this verse in LA, it's interesting because our minds can't help but be drawn to fashion, right? Jesus points out the lilies of the field and I can see him pick pick one up as he is talking and showing it to the disciples. Look at the lily. Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In 2 Chronicles 1, God said to Solomon, Because you had this mind and did not ask for riches or wealth or honor or the life of those who hate you, nor have you even asked for a long life, but you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule your people over whom I have made you king, wisdom and knowledge I will give you and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings who were before you has possessed nor those who will come after you. No one was as wealthy as Solomon on the planet or ever will be. The king's after you, God said. And Jesus picks up a lily in the field and says, this one is clothed better than Solomon. Look at how that thing matches. It's perfect in every way and they just grow in the field, just like that. Over and over and over, God clothes them. I love it. The lilies are better dressed than any model, any fashion icon, and God is the designer. If you look at the fashion and design of this day and age, you will see people, they are inspired through creation. They are inspired through the plants and animals and all these different things, the designs that come together, the colors in which they match. Where do we get all these palettes? How are we inspired? Where do they come from? Well, I made them all up. No, you didn't. You borrowed from creation. It's amazing to watch how this happens. Why are we worried about clothes? God will take care of you. Jesus goes on to say, when we do this, when we worry about these things, we are lacking in faith. He actually says the words, "O oh, you of little." faith. He challenges a person's faith and belief in God and what he has said he will do. You have to ask yourself this question. When you are worrying, are you believing God is able? Are you focused on something else? You either have your faith in God or in the money in your account or faith in your job or faith in your ability and no faith in God that he is not able. You're worried that he will not give you what you desire. Need and desire are two different things. God will always give us what we need. He will not give us always what we desire. The only premise on which he will give us the desires of our heart is this, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. A person delighted in the Lord wants what he wants. Thus gets all the desires in their hearts. You see that? A person who delights himself in the Lord delights in what he wants. Thus God can now give that person all that they want because they desire what God wants and he gives what he wants. Thus they are delighted. Psalm 3410, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I want that thing. God says, "Um, no, the righteous lack no good thing. Well, Lord, then I got to have that thing. Well, what if it's not good for you? Then I guess that is not something that we need. We have to understand that god will give us everything that is good for our lives but not according to our own will lord i think that's good for me give me that that's good that's good no no that's not good for you this is good for you god will always provide what is good for us father knows best he knows way better than i do thus we need not be determining what is good for ourselves. Psalm 8411, for the Lord God is a sign and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So if God says no about that thing, I guess it wasn't good. It wasn't good, but it seemed good. I know. It may even seem good on the surface. But if he's not going to withhold anything good from those who walk uprightly, you're like, Lord, I'm walking uprightly. I'm walking with you. Why wouldn't you want me to go that direction? It seemed like a great idea. He says it's not good. I'm saying no to that. I'm closing that door. I'm going to open this one because this one's good. But I can't see it. It doesn't look very good. Trust me, it's good. Young people especially, we won't, you won't see this until you are older. When you look back on life and say, oh, now I see why God said no there and why God said no there. I thought that was really good for me, but he was closing that door to bring me to this. You finally see the journey, you have perspective. But in the middle of it, we think we know what's best. I want to give you four solutions to worry and we're going to close. Solution number one to worry, are you ready? Prayer. If you're feeling worried or overwhelmed, the best thing you could ever do is pray. Seek the Lord right now. Philippians 4:6. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Number two solution to worry. The Word of God. This The reason people worry is they are not trusting God at his word, nor understanding God at his word. Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. Get your mind focused on things that bring you peace, truth, and clarity. If I focus on the things of the world, my brain is all over the place. If I get my mind back in God's word and remember what he has said, I'm anchored. Number three solution, encourage yourself in the Lord. 1 Samuel 36, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Did you hear that? David strengthened himself in the Lord. There was nobody to strengthen him in that moment. Family, there are going to be moments in life where no one fully knows what you're going through and what you're taking on. Nobody can fully understand. You must strengthen yourself in the Lord. How? Go to him in prayer. Open your word. Cry out to him. Sing a worship song. Go on a hike. Go spend time with God and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Oh, I've been going to that church and I'm not getting fed. This, this, this. Really? There's great teaching there. Yeah, but this, this, this. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. How have we got away from these responsibilities? We need to learn to strengthen ourselves. There's going to be times in war when you're on the battlefield and you're out there and all the soldiers around you are gone. You're out there by yourself in battle. You better strengthen yourself. Go back to the training which you have received. Call on the name of the Lord and get moving forward. And there will be a brother or sister on the other side to help you, encourage you, and build you. But there are times when we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Amen? And then, number four, seek the counsel of prayer and godly friends. Seek the counsel of prayer and godly friends. This is helpful and keeps us from worry. Psalm 37:30 30, The godly offer good counsel, they teach right from wrong. There's a right and a wrong? Yes. And we can know it. And we do know it. It's not up for debate, it's right here. Verse 31, they have made God's law their own, so they will never slip from his path. Praise God. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are doing. One of the best gifts on the planet is a godly friend. Somebody to pray for you, somebody to encourage you, somebody to love and serve you, even in a single moment. We all need it. Every single one of us will go through storms in life. Every single one of us will worry and be anxious. Every single one of us will be overwhelmed and stressed out, especially in a place like this. It's going to happen. We need one another. God has saved you, family, not to worry. 1 Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you had a reason to stress, now you don't. Once you had a reason to be anxious, now you do not. When your father is the creator of the universe, if he's not worried, why are we? Aim small, miss small. There's no fear in your father's eyes. Why is there fear in your eyes? He has it under control. He is going to take care of his kids. You better believe it. It's time to rest. It's time to be at peace. Amen? Let that peace pour in to those around you. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. He takes care of me.